0: Hello and welcome to MMA Fight Club. I'm your host, Manuel Galarza. In today's episode, we're going over the entire card for UFC 263, Adesanya vs. Vittori. This is a rematch of an earlier fight between those two, and it is for the belt. And there's a second belt in the line as well, Figadero vs. Moreno, which is also a rematch, is for a belt. There's a third fight in the card here that's going to five rounds, and that'll be Edwards vs. Diaz. So you've got three five-round fights to go with the last three fights of the night, which is interesting. And you also got 14 total fights here on this card, so it is jam-packed. Let's hope we don't lose anything on Friday with the weigh-ins. This fight's coming up, or this event's coming up on Saturday, June 12th, with a 10 p.m. Eastern start time. So for the earlier birds, my apologies. You're going to have to find something to do all day long or just stay up the late night before, I don't know, wake up later. But uh, it is a late start time. I'm going to go through each fight on the card as thoroughly as I can, give you guys a nice thorough breakdown, give you sort of, you know, our, our wagers, where we're, where we're leaning, and also any insight that possibly could help you set your bets this weekend and help you possibly get as many winning, winning tickets as possible. Um, I had some, some users recently ask me, you know, why we don't do a recap of last week's uh, UFC results for our last um, prediction show. I do a recap show. So in the recap show, we will go down every single event in there, how we did, where we were wrong or not wrong. I will tell you from the last UFC event, which was the um, – Rosenstrike versus Sakai. Uh, we went seven and five overall. Um, where we were right was we had Rosenstrike winning, we had Tibero winning, Delica winning, we had Rodriguez winning, which was nice as an underdog. We had um, Kirk winning, which was another nice underdog. We had Rosa winning, which I think everyone had Rosa winning. Furat winning as well. Where we were off was Levitt. Boy, I think a lot of people are off on that one. So we got Levitt wrong. We got Zalal wrong, which was exciting, though. It was kind of a nice close fight. I think it was a split decision loss, right? Got Zalal wrong, got Trinaldo wrong. Um, Bozer, oof, fail on that one, got that one wrong. And got Baeza wrong, which was another bummer. But we did go four and one of the main cards. So overall, it was a good event. But like I said, we're going to try to avoid from going over too much of the prior UFC events when we're doing the next prediction show. But we do dive a little bit deeper on the recap show, so tune into that if you can um, throughout the week. Anyway, I'm going to start off here with the first fight of the night, which is uh, Philippe versus Collier and oh boy, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there about Collier having issues with possibly eating himself into a heavyweight position. Um, it seems like that, um, but you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to body shame people, you know, who knows, maybe he had some kind of a, uh, you know, thyroid issue or something that, you know, forced him to possibly gain this weight. but. Here's the point. He's now a heavyweight fighter and looking at his recent fights, the one thing that stands out to me is doesn't have a lot of power in his hands and you know, what good is a heavyweight fighter who doesn't grapple and doesn't have heavyweight power? I mean, I'm not sure how far that that kind of fighter can go. You know, looking back at his most recent fight when he fought against Gian Violante. Look, Violante is he's got six losses in his last eight fights. So he's 2 and 8. I mean, 2 and 6 in his last eight fights. He's obviously not quite a good fighter. He's not in a role And Collier went toe to toe with him, couldn't get him out. You know, went the full distance with him, was unable to get him out. And honestly, at times, he looked like equal fighters. So, another thing that popped out to me with Collier, he got, you know, he got banged up in the first round. He was bleeding, again, against a very average fighter. And then his punching, it's very slow. You can see it. I think Philippe is going to have a significant speed advantage. Both guys are shorter, thicker, not the most in shape looking heavyweights. But in Felipe's last bout, you know, he looked real good. He looked sharp. Uh, and recently, he has had two nice wins. He beat Justin Taffa, and he beat uh, Yogan Castro. So they were both decisions, which is another thing. So, you know, his punching power is definitely a little in question. Matter of fact, his last three fights have all gone to decision. What I think happens here, though, I think Collier's durable, right? And Felipe doesn't have power, but Felipe's quicker. So he's going to land a few more punches. At minus one seventy five, I think it's a very safe bet. Um, I think it's a safe bet, and also I'm parlaying Felipe in a few things. So, this this event will start off with a heavyweight fight, Felipe and Collier. And I think at twenty six years old, Felipe coming in here, ten and one, four and one in his last five fights, he does have some momentum. I do want to preface this: I'm not I'm not suggesting Felipe is going up to the top of the ranks and going to be a contender. No, not by any means. I think he's going to be a, a preliminary card type of fighter for a while. I think he's got limitations in his game. But Collier, and I, I'm not trying to be mean here. It's not personal, but there's just a, a lot of lack in skill there. And I think Felipe is just, you know, at least a half a half level or a, bow, a half a level or so above Collier. So got Felipe to get the win here and also like him as a parlay piece. We've got Fares Ziam versus Luigi Vendramini. So Ziam is fighting out of France, he's 24 years old, 6 foot 1 with a 75 inch reach. And Luigi Vendramini is from Brazil, right? Even though he's got this nice Italian sounding last name, he is from Brazil, like every other fighter out there. So many Brazilian fighters, it's amazing. Anyway, Vendramini is 25 years old, so they're both very young, 25, 24 respectively. He's got a three-inch uh, disadvantage in height. He's 5'8 and a 73-inch reach. That might be a factor because, you know, Zayam is a, you know, push the, push the pace type of fighter, likes to jab, likes to strike. He's got long arms, long legs, and he's got good height for this division. So he's coming in 4-1. You know, he's, he's a very active fighter. Vendramini... His last two fights are what I really look closely at to sort of gauge where I thought he would be here versus I am. Again, these guys are very young, so they're making a lot of progress, or they should be making a lot of progress, right, because they're young guys. Um, The big glaring issue here, this is an early prelim card, so I don't want to spend too much time on it, but the big glaring difference maker for me was that when Luigi lost his fight two fights ago, okay, he fought that fight against, um, yeah, Zaleski Dos Santos, okay, even though he got finished because of a flying knee and some punches in round two, it it was everything up before that. Now, Zaleski Dos Santos is a good fighter. He is a decent fighter. Okay. He's been in there. He's been in there with a lot of people. He's got a decent record, like 22 and seven or something like that. So it's not like losing to Zaleski Dos Santos is a terrible thing. It was just how he was in there with him. He was backing up the entire time on his heels. Dare I say he was scared? Like kind of look scared at times. I don't know. I mean, didn't look very comfortable in there, which makes me wonder, you know, when he faces anything slightly better in competition, is he going to just back up on his heels? You know, I mean, it's not a good look. It's 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 a it's a strike right off the bat. If you're coming in there to win a, a three-round decision, which in this fight right here, you look at it, I mean, I don't expect Luigi Vendramini to knock out Zion. Zion's pretty athletic. He's got pretty good fighter IQ for a young fighter. So if it's going to go decision and you're backing up the entire 3 rounds, I mean remember I said that. He's going to back up. So whenever Zion presses tempo or try to move forward, this dude's going to be just backing up, borderline running. So <clears throat> I think that's a difference maker. I think minus 143 is is the right line. I took him on some parlay bets earlier in the week at plus money because he was a dog initially. So He has flipped over now to being a slight favorite, and I guess I wouldn't be surprised if by Saturday he moves up to like 150, maybe 175, negative 175, because I think he's clearly the better of the mid-20-year-old fighters here. This is a matchup to see, you know, the UFC wants to see which of these guys, what direction they're going, but I like Zion. Um, I think he's a safe pick. as a straight-up pick. If you're going to parlay him, I wouldn't get too crazy Put him in a few parlays, but you know, this is still a young fighter. I guess anything is possible, but I do see Zion uh, getting the win here in that fight. So all right, let's move on here to the next fight in the card. All right, so we've got Steven Peterson versus Chase Hopper. This is gonna be the quickest fight breakdown of the night. Chase Hopper reminds me of Jordan Levitt. So if that name rings a bell, you're shitting your pants right now. If you're thinking about betting on Hopper, because he has, um, you know, he doesn't have the greatest striking game. It's developing. He is young. I mean, the dude's like only 21 years old, so he's not, he's not like 21 years old. He is 21 years old. So he's going to be making some improvements, but looking at his fights, everything he's doing is, you know, grappling focused. He has some unique ways to try to get people into his, you know, into his guard and try to get, you know, he does like a nice little unique like dive, turn, try to, you know, tie up your ankles. He's a good fighter. I mean, he's very crafty, right? He's crafty for a 21-year-old fighter. He's 10-1-1. So he knows what he's doing to some extent. But the stand-up game, the striking game, it's so lacking that... When I watched his fights, I got to thinking, like, this is exactly what Jordan Levitt was like coming into his last bout. Like, he did get some submission stuff. He did do some wrestling stuff when he fought some lower level opponents. But the minute you force a BJJ dependent, wrestling dependent guy to go three rounds with someone who could just do enough striking, you know, you now you're just tossing. It's a toss up, you know. I don't think it's a toss up. I think what happens here. I could be wrong because if you're betting on Hopper, I'll tell you this one. If you're betting on Hopper, you're looking to bet by submission, right? That's that's the bet by submission. He's going to chase heel hooks and a bunch of other nonsense. I think Peterson has enough volume over three rounds to win two of those three rounds, probably three of those three rounds. Chase is a young fighter. He's 21. I just, you know, I don't think he's bad fighter. I think he can develop and get better. And I don't think Steven Peterson is the best fighter in the world either. Peterson showed a lot of issues in some of his recent fights, you know. So he's had layoffs, you know. Um, but I just think in terms of – and he's sloppy. I'll tell you this. Peterson, the big issues with him I saw, he's sloppy. So could could Chase grab him, find a way to, like, tie him up a little bit? Yeah, but that's, like, his only route, and he's not, like, you know, he's not some Brazilian BJJ, like, second-degree black belt. He's a 21-year-old who maybe this is too much, I think, too soon. I mean, well, what's too much too soon? He's a UFC fighter. He's young. He's probably got a whole career in front of him. Unless he gets seriously hurt out here, then I guess this is a good enough stage for him to perform. But I got serious doubts that he's going to be able to keep up from a striking standpoint, I think Peterson's going to be busy enough. It'll be sloppy at times. Peterson is sloppy. He gets some cardio issues at the end of his fights, but Chase Hopper doesn't have a knockout punch. Um, he's going to be chasing submissions. He's a guy who goes constantly for submission over position, not a winning strategy. Maybe he'll learn. And another thing is, again, he's 21. So I did preface and say, maybe he comes in here and has a bunch of, you know, progress. So, with that said, uh, I think Peterson gets the win. Um, I like Peterson as a parlay piece as well, so I'm, I'm very confident in this pick. Matter of fact, yeah, I'm very confident in this pick. I think Peterson is going to be just a little bit too much here for Chase, quote-unquote, Jordan Levitt, Hopper, Hooper. I just He reminds me so much of Jordan Levitt, and that's just a scary person to want to be comparing your game to right now based upon how he just got... Yeah, he just saw right quick. If he can't get somebody submitted and get him in the right position on the ground, then he just has no game. And I think that's what happens here to Chase. I think at twenty one years old he doesn't really have, he has one part of the game, and that's just grappling submission. He doesn't have the stand up striking, doesn't have good defense, doesn't have, you know, good takedown defense, doesn't have good take good doesn't have good stand up defense either. So anyway, I talked about this fight way too much, and uh the bottom line is we're on Peterson. Alright, moving on to the next one. Next up in the prelims, we've got Matt Frivola versus Terrence McKinney. This was a rescheduled bout here. Frivola was supposed to fight someone else initially, but there was some changes. He was supposed to fight Frank Camacho, that's right. And uh, that bout got canceled, and so we bring in here Terrence McKinney. This McKinney guy is interesting. He's, he's very athletic, and um, I'll keep this pretty much right to the point you know nice short and sweet I do like Frivola you know I I do like him as a fighter the minus 305 is a little a little little spicy for my liking um being it's it's a last minute bout change I didn't do a whole thorough breakdown I didn't dive into film and break what I usually do just so you know I'll usually look at two to three fights back Depending on the fight, if it's a short fight, then I won't count that. But I'll go two, or three fights where I can see two or three rounds, you know, per fight, of a fighter when I'm sort of going back and looking at their fights, and that's in the prelims. For the main card, I'll go four or five fights deep and just get a you know a good view of what the fighters like, and then from there, you know, I'll de- you know, I'll sort of determine what that fighter history is like, and does that have anything to do with what's going to happen next? any glaring issues any you know bad habits cardio issues right the things that you want to just sort of highlight and so you know looking at the situation you know right here with favola and mckinney i'm looking at you know what they've done recently and they're both decent fighters um i just think that with this change last minute it actually benefits mckinney um he's a pretty athletic fighter you know he's he's been ready he was ready to fight this fight so even though he's a replacement he was ready he He's training he's in the gym he's active he's also twenty six years old, so you know twenty six frivola's thirty one frivola's eight two and one he, again I don't wanna say anything bad about frivola so if you if you're if you're placing a bet on frivola at minus three o five here's the only thing i'm going to say to you i'm gonna I'm just gonna caution that's minus three oh five that's three to one. do you really think that frivola beats McKinney, you know like six times? type of thing out of 10, seven times out of 10? I don't think so. I think this is actually, this This should be almost, I would say a minus, minus 150 type of thing. Minus 175 for Favola would make more sense here, I think. But it's not, it's a plus 235 for McKinney. So this is a dogger pass situation, and partially because it is a last minute replacement. I didn't dive deep into film. I didn't look at multiple, you know, fights of these guys. But what I do know of their recent history, <clears throat> I think they disrespecting McKinney here a little bit. I uh, think he comes in here a little sneaky. And um yeah, I'm going to put a little sprinkle on him as a dogger pass. But if you don't like it, you're not sure on it, the minus 305 is a little spicy. Just, you know, take a pass on it, right? You know, move on to the next one. So let's move on to the next one on the card. All right, all right. Next fight here in the prelims is Pani Kianzad versus alexis davis and if alexis davis rings a bell it should she's been around for a while 36 year old she's going to be 37 here in a few months definitely a veteran of the game and kianzad kind of new to the fight scene she's from sweden 29 years old um when i say new i should i should rephrase that new to the ufc uh fight scene uh she's a strong favorite coming to this fight like straight disrespect here on davis and um I'll get it out of the way. I like Davis here. It's the uh, first official dog of the night because I liked Dion before he was a favorite, but now he's a favorite, so he was a dog before. But here's the official first dog of the night. Um, I like Alexis Davis. She's been in the ring with much better fighters than Kianzad has. And if you just go back to some of the recent fights with Kianzad, you know, she lost to Chesion. She lost to Avila. Those weren't terrible losses, you know. But then she won a fighter versus versus Eubanks that was, like, really questionable. Um, That was back in December of 2020. And she spent a lot of time on her back. She let Eubanks kind of dominate the tempo at times. And this is no disrespect to Eubanks, but, you know, Eubanks is 6-6. You know, she's not lighting it up right now by any means. So, you know, it was, yeah, not the greatest performance by Keon Side. And I'm thinking, like, if you're going to go toe-to-toe with Eubanks, who's a 500 fighter kind of tells me where, where Keon's odds at, right? So I looked at that and I said to myself, well, who's better, Alexis Davis or Eubanks? And I'm like, I think Alexis Davis, even older Alexis Davis is, you know, still formidable. In this situation here, she is about to be 37, but like, look at her last few fights. She's super active. She's in great shape. She has good cardio. Like, God bless her. You know, I mean, I mean, how many 37-year-old, you know, young women could, you know, do what she's doing and be in such good shape? So it makes me wonder. Maybe it's in the juice, right? <laughs> anyway, um Keon Todd's only seven years younger. So 29 years old versus 36, 37 type of thing. You know, it's not a huge age difference. I mean, if you're looking at the age and that's a big issue for you, then just pass in the fight. I don't think it's a dog or pass, though. I like Alexis Davis. I think that she's been... She's been productive. And you look at her last few fights, you know, she's coming in here, you know, having beat Mazo. Okay. Mazo's like, "Eh, all right." Then she lost to Vivian Arajo, but that was by decision, and Arajo's pretty pretty decent. She lost a decision to Jennifer Maya, again, decent fighter. Lost a decision to Caitlin Jerkegan, which everyone loses decision to Cait- Caitlin Jerkegan. Before that, she beat Liz Camacho. I mean, I mean, Kamuche. She's she's a fighter who's been there with a lot of lot of good fighters, you know. She she's she's been there with Ronda Rousey, you know, that goes back in the day. She's beaten girls like Jessica I. She's beaten Liz Kamu Kamoche twice. So she's a veteran. I think her activity, I think her her IQ, her brains, she's smart. She's got high fighter IQ. I see her coming in here and taking the Sweden fighter and making you know, taking her to the ground at the right time, taking getting the clinch at the right time. Lending a few punches, I have not seen anything from Panny Kianzad that would suggest to me she's going to like hurt Alexis Davis or overwhelm Davis. Davis, when she gets overwhelmed by a really strong fighter, that's when she could really show some weaknesses and like she can get a little desperate. I don't see Panny Kianzad coming in here and doing that. So, for the first dog of the night, I like uh, I like Alexis Davis here at plus one sixty two. Not a parlay piece. Just want to point that out. I think just straight up, you know, you put a full unit on that, or if you're not really confident, just put, you know, a partial unit on it. In terms of a prop bet for this particular fight here, I think Davis by decision is a good prop bet to look at. Next up on the card is Hakeem Dawudu versus Mavsvar Evlov some details about Hakeem he's from Canada 29 years old 5 foot 8 72 inch reach and these guys are very similar Mosvar is coming in here 14 and 0 27 years old 5 foot 7 with a 72 and a half inch reach so height and reach are pretty much identical record wise Mosvar is 14 and 0 and Hakeem is 12 1 and 1 so Let's go over here and just take a look at Hakeem for a second first in terms of his recent fights and what he's been doing and and why I like him to win. I'm going to say that right now. He's the 188 plus 188 dog, so second dog of the night that we are on. Both fighters are coming in on 5-0 and winning streaks, so they're both hot right now. Um, I like that we we'll athleticism, okay? So going back to one of his recent fights here in September of 2020, he first... I'm sorry. He fought. <laughs> he fought Tuckahov. Tuka, okay, this guy Tuckahov is uh, one of the disciples of Khabib. Like Khabib was actually in the corner coaching him. He trained in the same gym, um, you know, so he's mentored by Khabib the whole deal. And you can see that throughout the fight. He's got like a similar limited boxing kind of grabbing whatever else. But uh, it was a decent fight for for Hakeem. He actually got a split decision. It was tight. It was tight. Could have gone either way. But at the end of the fight, um, Tukahov, the Khabib student, was just like running and backing up. It was very unbecoming, unattractive. You can't get wins like that. You just can't get wins backing up on your heels running. And so Hakeem was pressing tempo. He was like yelling at the guy, like, let's fight, let's fight, let's fight. And the guy was like running away and backing up. So it was a decent split decision win. Um, his fight before that, which was all the way back in 2019 against Ars, it, it was another... Decent fight. He got another split decision win, which is kind of scary. You know, when you first look at his recent record, you're like, okay, his last two fights were split decision wins. He could have lost those two, but when you look at those fights, I think he won those fights. Actually, I think he he did. I mean, it was it was it was justified to be a split decision, but he won those fights, in my opinion. So you know, right now he's coming in here on a five fight winning streak. You know, he is a pretty young prospect. He's very athletic. I I want to emphasize that. Like, I think he's got strength, quickness, athletic uh, advantages over um, what Evlov is coming in here with. So now let's look over at Evlov. He's coming in here as a minus 240 favorite. That makes very little sense to me. It's not like Hakeem DeWaldu is like doing bad. Hakeem DeWaldu is 12-1-1 and Evlov is 14-0. and So like they're both right there in the same spot. But I guess that O, right? The zero. The undefeated, you know, it's just, you know, it's a big thing for some people. So they're probably seeing that. Maybe that's driving the money line. I I don't know. I don't know. I, th- I think it's just set too high. So I'm going to tell you one big issue, which just, this will this will resonate with you fast. Okay. Evlov in January, just this year, he fought Nick Lentz. Okay. And I'm not going to dog Nick Lentz and say he's the worst fighter, but he's not a top contender. You know what I mean? Like he's lost four of his last six fights. You know, let's just let's just call a spade a spade here. And in that fight, you know, it was it was a dog fight for Masvar. Like it, it wasn't it wasn't an easy win for him by any means. He got a split decision win and Nick Lentz, like I'm i I'm just calling it for what it is. Like Nick Lentz to me is like a decent fighter, like I mean, the dude has lost literally three in a row. Now granted they were decent fighters, Arnold Allen and Charles Oliveira, but like Look, he just, he's losing a lot of fights. I mean, it is what it is. Like I said, he lost four of his last six fights, and he went toe-to-toe with Masvar. He gave him everything he could handle. One judge thought that, that Masvar lost that fight. I mean, I'm just going to just put it out there. Now, if you want to flip the other coin over and say, well, you know, two judges thought that, you know, Hakim lost the fight against, you know, Julio Aris and the fight against, you know, Tukabav, governor I'm sorry. I keep pronouncing that wrong. But here's the point. I looked at the Tukhovarov fight and the Ars fight, and in my opinion, I'm telling you, Hakeem won those fights. When you look at the Nick Lentz fight, it's not that I thought Mosfar lost the fight because I think he did win. It's like, why are you getting into a close fight with Mosfar? I mean, with with, with uh, Nick Lentz, Mosfar. Why are you? Why is that happening? So, yeah, that was just very, very unattractive. Not a good, not a good, not a good split decision to win, if you ask me. And the prior fight before that. You know he fought Grundy. And Grundy's just like a shell of himself, right? Not the same fighter anymore. And he was able to get him out of there. It, it wasn't a great fight. It was a decision win. Um, Grundy was like, you know, reaching, grappling, not doing much. And at times, you know, far looked a better striker, more comfortable on his feet. So, yeah, I think this line is just way off. I, I, I think if actually if I had to do this line myself, I would have Hakeem the favorite. Not the, that's, that's what's weird about this one. I wouldn't even say like, oh, it should be like minus 150 for Evlov. I think Hakeem Duoldu should be the favorite. Wouldn't be surprised if these numbers kind of change up a little bit throughout the week. So anyway, long story short here, we are on Hakeem Duoldu over Evlov as the second dog of the night. And we're moving on. Next up on the prelims, we've got Lauren Murphy versus Joanne Calderwood. This is our second women's bout of the night. Now Murphy the veteran is coming in here at 14 and 4, fight out of Houston, Texas. She's 37 years old, but soon to be 38, and 5 foot 5 with a 68-inch reach. Calderwood, she's the -125 favorite coming into this fight fighting out of las vegas nevada she's 35 years old so she's no spring chicken either five foot six with a 65 inch reach so in terms of the size of the fighters there's a slight advantage there to lauren murphy i don't think that's going to be a big deal in the fight i think the biggest factor here is that murphy um you know she's coming in here believe it or not on a four fight winning streak you're thinking like oh lauren murphy Average fighter, you know, kind of been on the block a little bit. You know, she's been in there with some some decent fighters in her day. But, yeah, she's 4-0. And when you watch her fight, you know, she's she's pretty good. She's pretty athletic, good head movement, you know, seems to have very good cardio, which is going to be important in this fight. You know, so these fighters, though, they have some very unique similarities. Um, they both beat and Andrea Lee by decision, right? And they both lost by decision to you know it Caitlin Chukagan she beats everybody by decision right so they're very similar like if you look at their fighter history you know who they've you know lost to who they've won to, a lot of similarities. I think the advantage here goes to Murphy um this is gonna be the third dog of the night we're on three straight dogs that's Davis, Duwalo and Duwaldo and murphy um i think the experience lies with murphy so if this is a 50 50 fight which vegas has it a 50 50 pretty much right minus 148 for calderwood plus 117 for murphy yeah you can't really call this a dog right this is pretty much almost a pick 'em, not really a dog but it's officially quote-unquote a dog but i'm on murphy i think she's coming in here four and one in her last five fights hasn't lost a fight since 2018 She's going to keep it going. She's going to press tempo against Calderwood. She's going to back her up, get her against the cage, earn clinch control time. Murphy has a high fighter IQ. You know, I should have mentioned it already. She's been in there with some pretty good fighters. She knows what she's doing. And I'm not saying Calderwood has a bad fighter IQ, but she's a little slow at times. She can be laboring, and they're both getting older, but I'm giving that advantage in terms of the athleticism, cardio, and, and getting older but still being, good, being in good shape. I'm giving that advantage to Murphy. Um, I feel like Murphy is aging like nice, fine wine. She's athletic. She's moving. With Calderwood, I think she's going to feel every bit of 35 in there, and I think that's going to be a prop. Murphy's going to press tempo. Get a decision here and be a nice little piece. In terms of betting perspective, you're definitely looking about going a distance. All right, So the distance is a nice bet. And also Murphy by decision, great, great little bet right there for a prop bet. If you like Calderwood, I guess take her by decision. Either way, it's going to decision. It's it's women's MMA. These 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 are small girls. They're they're not going to have a lot of power in their punches. So, small young ladies. I shouldn't say girls. I don't want to be disrespectful. But, you know, these two, two women don't have a lot of power in their hands. So, I don't see the fight ending. I see it going to the full distance. And uh, the veteran here, Murphy, is going to take home a win. Okay, we've got Eric Anders versus Darren Stewart, and this is a rematch from a fight back a few months ago in March where the fight ended with an illegal knee from Eric Anders um, hitting Stewart while Stewart still had a hand down or was still on the ground, and it was unfortunate for Anders. He was dominant in the fight. He had Stewart hurt. He looked like he was definitely on the path to victory. Um... Coming into that fight, he was the underdog, so Stewart was the favorite. Now, this time coming in, the numbers have flipped a little bit. Anders now is a slight favorite at minus 150, and Stewart's the underdog at plus 120. There's no reason to overanalyze this fight. If you're looking strictly at the last fight when they fought each other, you can see that Anders you know, is every bit of, 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 of um, tell you what, he's, he's making improvements. That's the big thing. I noticed significant improvements with Eric Anders. I, you know he's he's transitioning from football to MMA still, and you can see that he's making you know he's making big strides. Darren was getting backed up. He was getting he was getting clocked. It was not easy for him. I wonder it's only been a few months for him to recover from the quote unquote knee. I don't think it was a very hard knee. So it was more of like hey, I'm getting my ass beat. <laughs> I took an illegal knee. I might as well just get out of this thing and live to fight another day and not get a, not get a loss tonight. So. It was really unfortunate for Eric Anders, but this is a nice opportunity for him to get in there, fight a you know, full, clean three rounds. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he just a Stewart before that. He looked really good. So, again, I'm not going to make this complicated. I'm on Anders, minus 150. Like him a lot. Probably one of my favorites on the entire card. Yeah, I could say without a doubt. I like Anders straight up as a bet, but I also have him in some parlay pieces, too, so it gives you an idea of you know how much I like him. I like the KO prop uh, for Anders, and yeah, I like the KO prop. I don't think it goes a distance. And for Stewart, he's a good fighter. You know, I I don't want to I don't want to discard Stewart and say, hey, he's not a good fighter. But he's two two and no contest in his last you know you know four or five fights. Just I don't see it right there. I think against I think against Anders, he's gonna have a problem. He can't match his power. And again, just look at what happened in the last fight. Let's not make this complicated. They fought each other before. Anders clearly had the advantage, he was clearly the better fighter, he had him on his heels, he had him beat, and Stewart basically just had to tap out and take the injury to, to not lose the fight. So, we're on Anders, and let's move on here to the last fight of the prelims. Okay, we've got the last fight here of the prelim. Drew Dober, the American, versus Brad Riddell from New Zealand. Alright, so Riddell is 29 years old, five seven, with a 71-inch reach. And uh, Dober is 32 years old, so just a few years older, with a five foot eight height and 70 inch reach. So these guys match up pretty well, about the same age and about the same exact height. In terms of who they've been in the ring with, though, I think there's a huge, huge advantage there to Dober. Um, Dober, you know, he's still a young guy, 32 years old, so he's you know still kind of approaching his prime. 23 and 10, he's fought some pretty good fighters, and uh, Riddell's 18 and 3, so he's no slouch either. Riddell's coming in here 5-0 oh in his last five fights, and Dober's coming in 3-2. and two. But, you know, that's where you have to look a little deeper. Like, who who has who has Dober lost to? His last two losses were to Benil Dariush, who is doing pretty good right now, looking legit, right? And then Islam Makhachev. So, I think Benil Dariush and Islam Makachev would come in here and kick the mess out of Riddell. So... You know, the fact that he lost, you know, to armbar to, armbar to Dariushin and, and then a triangle choke to Islam Makachev is not so bad. Uh, Dober's a good wrestler. Riddell is not great on takedown defense. Riddell showed that in his last fight, and then if you get him down, he can't get up. I just think Dober has the experience advantage. I think he's better on his feet. He's a better puncher. If you look at some of Riddell's recent fights, he's not super clean with his boxing, okay? He likes to grapple and try to, you know, you know, get up close with people. But if he does that with Dober, Dober's better at that. Dober's gonna bring him to the ground. He's gonna grind him out. He's gonna get take advantage of him. I see Dober winning all three rounds of this of this fight. Now Dober's a minus one fifty five coming into this, so clearly he's a favorite in Vegas. sees him as a favorite, but I would actually have him as a slightly higher favorite. I'd have him like minus two hundred. I don't think Redell's gonna be able to keep up with him. I think this is a good example of two fighters who one's been fighting at a higher level and and been in and out of there with guys like Nazarat and guys like Alexander Hernandez and, you know, guys like Dariush. And then you've got Riddell and Riddell hasn't really been in there with that kind of competition. You know what I mean? He's coming in here. Like I said, he's won one, two, what, three, six, six fights in a row. But when you look at who he's fought and then how those fights have panned out, his last fight versus Alex Da Silva I think he lost that fight. Uh, I'm gonna just I'm putting that on wax. I I think that Brad Riddle lost that fight. He did win the fight It was a decision. His prior fight before that was against Magba, Ma, Magomed Mustavev. Mustave Mustafav. Oh my gosh, tough name. And that was a split decision win. So you know, look, I'm just saying I, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. I think he comes in here against Dober. I think Dober is just a more experienced fighter. His wrestling is going to be also an advantage. I see Dober winning the fight on the ground. I see him winning it on his feet. I don't necessarily know there's going to be a a, a a KO or a finish, but I do like the prop bet for Dober by decision win. I like Dober straight up to win. I'm not parlaying this. I don't like it that much, and it's not one of my favorites on the card. But for this undercard here, the prelim, um, is the last fight in the prelim, I do like Dober to win. So that wraps up the prelim for us. We're going to move on up to the main card. The main card will open up with a light heavyweight bout between Paul Craig and Jamal Hill. And if you saw any stuff on social media this week, you probably saw the uh, little confrontation between Jamal Hill and Paul Craig in the hotel lobby, and then there was like a Interview with Jamal Hill where he was talking about you know he just didn't like I guess what some of Paul Craig's fans were saying and and he basically just took you know took offense at some stuff and was saying that he got you know Craig's face and let him know what he was about where he's from and you know one side of it when I first watched it because you know I come from Brooklyn I I come from around the way Uh, if you're from where I'm from you know talk is real cheap like talk is really really cheap and. You know you see it in the street all the time people talk a lot of you know shit next to you, you know they're getting knocked out because uh, the, the real people that are really about it don't talk too much they'll just hit you in your face and they won't say much you know what I mean so I wasn't impressed with the talking I wasn't impressed with um, you know him posturing and, and trying to you know basically intimidate Craig or whatever the lobby stuff was about now on the flip side of it I wasn't impressed from a fighting perspective but boy, it got some eyes and ears on this fight, and so from a promotion perspective, kudos to you, Mr. Hill. You were smart, get some eyeballs on your fight. You know, got an interview. Um, but let's just break this down real fast because this is really easy for me. Paul Craig has uh, not fought anybody, and uh, I mean, he just has not fought anybody. I think Jamal Hill, kind of a rising star. You know, he is 30, so he's not like super young, but you know, he's eight and zero. Uh, he's got that O. Gotta love that O. And uh, I think he comes in here. He's just going to be too athletic for Paul. Paul hasn't fought anybody reasonable that you can compare. Doesn't have very good wins. Like, his last few wins were against guys that are very weak opponents. And I think Jamal Hill, you know, some fighters need to create a sub, sub- subplot, you know, to get them up. You know, to get them hyped. To get them angry at their opponent. And there's a chance that jamal hill at a young young fighter you know eight and oh only in mma um he's using this to fuel him to just get him up to the task you know to really get him pumped up you know to use this as motivation to try to get a finish so i kind of see it that way but just strictly from a numbers perspective and who's a better fighter at minus 286 that's probably a little high for hill but i still like him there you know i like him actually as a straight up piece and i like him as a parlay piece um a KO prop is, is, is something to consider for Jamal Hill, a KO prop. I don't see any value on Craig at plus 225. I, no dogger pass or anything like that or any sprinkle. No. I think Jamal Hill wins this fight pretty easy, and I wouldn't be surprised if you know he really you know tags, tags uh, Craig and maybe ends the fight here somehow with a TKO. So anyway, we're on Hill. That's the first uh, fight of the main card. Let's move on up here to the next fight. Next fight on the card is one of my favorites. It's going to be Bilal Muhammad versus Damian Maya. And Aman Maya, like him, plus 180 underdog, I think the 43-year-old is going to come in here and wake up all the Bilal Muhammad followers and Mr. Muhammad himself. I mean, look, I'm going to get right to the point as to why I see this happening, why I like Damian Maya. You know, there's parts of Maya's recent fight history that can get people to maybe think that he's not a good fighter, but you got to look a little closer. Okay, he has lost four of his last seven fights, but those losses were against like Covington, Usman, Woodley, Gilbert Burns. Okay, so the combined record of those four opponents that he lost to in those fights, coming into those fights, was 58-8, and Okay. Dude's forty-three years old and still fighting MMA. Coming in here, three and two in his last five fights. He's doing that for a reason. He's a Brazilian, tough fighter. There's without question he has fought much better competition over his career than whatever Bilal Muhammad has faced. Okay, and I'll tell you what: when you look at who Bilal Muhammad has faced and who he's beat, there's not much meat on that bone. Like he's getting decision wins over guys like Lyman Good. You know what I mean? Like, look at Lyman Good. I think Lyman Good, didn't he fight against, um, I think he fought against uh, Damian Maia. Yeah, and he got choked out in the first round and lost. I know you can't do MMA math that way, so I'm not going to say that's just, you know, solid fact. You could always bet on that. But look, Muhammad's going a distance with a guy who got beat in the first round by Damian Maia. So, you know, there's some recent history there that you could look at and say, okay, how can you compare them? And I'm going to say this, this is, this is, this is, I look, I've heard nothing but positive things about Bilal Muhammad on a personal level. I've heard a lot of, you know, reporters vouch for him. People say positive things about the guy. He had the terrible little eye poke, you know, recently when he fought Leon Edwards, that was awful. You know, he wanted that fight. He wanted to continue, but he couldn't. It was a bad eye poke. But I think this dude is super duper overrated, overrated, I'm sorry. He's one of the most overrated fighters right now in UFC and the reason they didn't give him a rematch with leon edwards is because he is overrated okay i think dana white knows they know like listen because anybody else in that situation who was worth their grain worth worth their salt they would have had a rematch like why would they not rematch that fight was scheduled right why not rematch that fight it was an eye poke it was whatever it's because leon edwards gonna kick the mess out of him he's gonna beat him it wasn't gonna be close so you know, the UFC brings him back, and they give him a 43-year-old fighter. They're giving him, like, a fighter where, hey, you know, Bilal, like, you know, you're 32 years old, you know, you're know, you 11 years younger, you're a pretty good fighter, supposedly, and people talk about you as a good fighter. Like, you should beat this guy. Nah, not going to happen. Damian Myers is going to come in here. He's going to tie up Bilal Muhammad. He's going to use the crafty skills that he knows over the years. He's a smart fighter. He knows how to avoid getting too hurt. He gets a win here at the plus 180 spot. I love it. Now, I will emphasize I'm not going to be doing any prop bets with this fight, and I'm not going to parlay it. I'm just taking Maya straight up as a bet one unit right on him. So that's a rat in this fight here. Let's move on up to the next fight in the card. All right. So we've got Leon Edwards versus the notorious Nate Diaz in a welterweight bout at 170 pounds. Leon Edwards is 29 years old, fighting out of Birmingham, England, six two with a 74-inch reach nate diaz fighting out of stockton california is 36 years old with six feet with a 76 inch reach so nate has a small reach advantage and edwards has a small height advantage this fight here i believe is the largest uh margin yeah edwards is the biggest favorite here minus 560 and diaz is the biggest dog on the card at a plus 400 right that's exactly where he likes to be Here's what i can tell you about this fight I, I do think edwards wins the fight i mean i'm pretty sure everyone can see edwards over five rounds just being a little more athletic you know nate likes to get punched he likes to take some damage he's like rocky he likes to be bloody you know until he gets bloody he doesn't really get get into the fight um you know that's nice for the movies but it doesn't work for for beating guys like leon edwards who's a sharp striker a good puncher And will come in probably with really good cardio. Um, His last bout, I I know he was disappointed. So was Bilal Muhammad. Ended with an eye poke. He wanted to go in there and fight. He hadn't fought in a long time. He's had a lot of bad luck with fights getting canceled and whatever else. So Nate is, Nate, you know, Nate Diaz is going to give you a show. He's going to look to grapple, look for submissions. He's a decent striker, you know, but always leaves himself open to counter punches. I think Edwards wins this fight like four rounds to one if it goes decision. You know, it's going to be dominant, maybe even five rounds to zero. I don't see Nate outstriking him. Now, the one thing Nate could do, right, because Nate is Nate. Like, could Nate, like, clip him and hurt him? Because, like, Nate deals with pain and deals with getting hurt very well. So, like, if you hurt Nate Diaz, like, oh, whatever. He's always hurt. The guy's just a walking concussion. So it's not a big deal. He fights hurt, right? But how will Leon Edwards deal with it if he gets hurt? And we see athletic guys like him. Like, they get a little little stunned. All of a sudden, they're just, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. I have no fighter IQ. I can't defend myself. I can't take the fight to the ground. So could that happen? There's, like, a, I would estimate, like, a small, small chance that that would happen, right? Like, a 5 like to 10% chance that that happens. In that same 5 to 10% chance, is like, could Nate Diaz maybe get a submission? But for him to get a submission on Leon Edwards, he would need to, like, I think you'd have to wear Edwards down, get him tired, so he can get that position. Like, I don't see Nate coming into the first round, like, you know, tackling Leon, bring him to the ground, getting a takedown, and moving to a submission. It would be like a fourth, fifth round thing where the fight's gone long. Maybe Leon's cardio is not where I'm thinking it's going to be. And Nate, you know, does that Rambo, that, you know, American Warrior, you know, the whole freaking Rocky thing where he comes back with a bloody face and he gets a w and then everyone's like oh my god i can't believe i didn't you know bet on nate diaz you know he's a huge dog plus 400 you know and, and and don't bet don't bet against nate diaz and don't doubt nate diaz and look what he did against conor mcgregor years ago i hate to tell you guys though i think those days all those days all that stuff that's that's in the in the past for a reason you know I have a lot of respect for Nate Diaz. You know, he truly is one of the faces of UFC. Love him or hate him, he represents uh, that, you know, blue-collar fighter who's like, I'm ready, man, and I'm ready, whatever. Um, You know, and he goes out there and gives you a really good show. You know, so I don't agree with every single thing he does. I don't agree with all his stances on, on life and all of his habits, per se. But just overall, a lot of respect for the dude. Chin of steel. That Conor McGregor fight will go down for me as one of the most – the first one when he won and he came in there like short notice and beat Conor and choked him out. One of the most exciting events ever in UFC history. And no disrespect to Conor, but, like, man, that was, like, huge, right? And they rematched, and, of course, Conor beat him. But, you know, Nate's got that in him every now and then, right? He's got that little sprinkle of, you know, something special. And so I think the people who will be betting on him this weekend – We'll be thinking that, like, oh, it's Nate Diaz, man. He's got that special, in, and I, I want to believe that too, but I'm not putting my money behind it. I don't think there's any dog or pass here. I'm on Edwards to win the fight, but I'm not betting it. The minus 560 makes no sense at all, So, and I think at minus 560, it makes no parlay sense either. So sorry to say it here, but this, this fight, this five-round fight might be something where, you know, I guess on a personal side note, maybe I'll put like a small sprinkle on the underdog there. On, on Diaz just because I want to root for him but again I'm not going to be paying anything on Edwards I'm not going to have any skin in this fight so I'll just be maybe watching the fight enjoying it and then rooting for rooting for Diaz on a personal level right hoping hoping the old dog you know pulls it out so for this co-main event we've got Davison Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno the second this is a rematch of a bout that happened not too long ago that went the distance it was a war um, Brandon Moreno showed a lot of people out there that he's got that Mexican warrior spirit he went toe-to-toe with Figueroa and I think he caught Figueroa off guard um, that's gonna be a part of my explanation here as to why I think Figueroa wins this fight I think he keeps his belt I think he learns from his mistakes in the first fight I think the minus 225 favorite that he's coming in here is justified there's going to be a lot of people that are going to say, "Oh, Moreno, it was a draw." You know, he, you know, he's plus 175. is a steal. He could win this fight. Look back at that fight. You know, I think Davison Figueredo got a little tired at the end. There was a point taken away, which had a, was a factor, which made it into a draw. Uh, Moreno's got a chin. He's a, he could take a punch because anyone anyone knows that division right there. Figueredo hits very hard. You know, he could probably fight at a higher weight class, um, but he makes the cut. and, you know, he's, a, he's an animal. Uh, I think he comes to this fight, he learns from last time. He doesn't underestimate Moreno. And I wouldn't be shocked if he even finishes Moreno just by a TKO. He just gets too much too much volume. I can see Brandon Moreno having to cover up. Maybe not being completely hurt, but just not being able to return enough fire. And so, yeah, I think Davidson figured out a to learn from the first fight. He comes in here and, and gets a W and finishes the deal. As for Brandon Moreno... You know, my heart, my actual the fan in me, I I like this young man. I I would rather him win the fight. So, this is not personal that I'm saying that Davis and Figueroa is going to win the fight. I just think Davis and Figueroa is one of the best that ever did it in that class. He's one of the best flyweights of all time. I think he's very much in his prime. He's 21 and 1. I can see him holding on to that title there for another 4 to 5 years. He's just very dominant, very good. And that night when he fought Moreno a few months ago and and you know went to a draw and it was it was a war you know I just don't think he expected it you know what I mean I don't expect it was this is back in December so it was about seven seven months ago six seven months ago I don't think Davidson figured I don't expect the Marino to come in there and give him that kind of effort and so when it got to the fourth round and it got to the fifth round it got a little sloppy they were treating punches and I think this time around he shores those things up he, you know he learns from his mistakes he gets a win, and then who knows? Maybe in, in in two two three years from now, you know, Moreno wins a few more fights because he's good. The dude's good. I like Brandon Moreno. He's a good fighter. I, I see him having, you know, a lot more left in the tank for him in the future. So, who knows? But there's a trilogy down the line at some point between these two guys. But in any case, at minus two twenty five, Figueroa is one of my favorites on this entire card. I like him a lot. I'm parlaying him in a handful of parlays. So. Come on, Figueroa. But I'm also going to be betting him straight up. So I like him at minus 225. I think that's legit money. I don't see anything here on the dog. No prop bets that I like. I'm just going to bet the fight nice and simple for Figueroa. And I don't see any dog situation here that I like. So I don't like Moreno by like a knockout decision. Just don't see it. I think Moreno's going to come here, give, a, give an awesome kick-ass effort like he always does. But... He's just not gonna be able to now beat the champ when the champ has got his eyes and ears fully you know, ready and now he's really prepared for, for Moreno. So that's my choice. I'm on Figueiredo to keep the belt and to be still the champion. All right, let's move on to the main event. The main event of UFC 263 features Israel Adesanya versus Marvin the II. And similar to the co- co-main event on this card, This is also a rematch and also for a title. The big difference, though, is that they did not fight recently. Okay, so their initial fight between Adesanya and Vittori was years ago. They've both done a lot of growing since then. Um, They've fought a lot of good fighters since then. So I don't think you could take a lot from that initial fight in terms of what to expect for this fight. There may be some similarities, yes, but I think overall, these fighters are now in two different places in terms of where they're at with their careers and uh, what we can expect from them. Now, I'm gonna just I'm gonna I'm gonna hit something right quick that's been bugging me. this off my chest about this Vittori, Adesanya fight. I've been hearing people say things like, "It's Marvin Vittori's quote-unquote time." Okay, like it's just his time. Um, let me just let me just put this on wax. Okay, that's not advice. Like that's not that's not that's not responsible advice as a handicapper it's not responsible betting advice even if you're just doing it casually that's like saying to somebody i just have a feeling like listen unless you're Nostradamus or some type of you know you know proven gypsy the feelings can go out the window and the it's his time can also go out the window okay that doesn't make any damn sense to me okay because if it's marvin vittori's Time, then what time is it for Israel Asanya? What time is it for him? Has it been a bad time for israel Asanya like he's like going out, he's not doing well, he's like losing fights, he's not a champion like so like this narrative that I've been hearing from some people that it's just time for marvin like it's his time now, like you know like he he's just he's ready like slow that slow that nonsense down Israel Asanya is the champion of the world. He's a style bender. He just went up to a, a light heavyweight fight. He lost the fight. Okay, big deal. He lost the fight against a bigger guy that was probably 30 pounds more than him on the night of the fight. And if you watch that fight closely, you know how he lost the fight. He simply couldn't get the heavier fighter off of him. Okay, so Jan Blachowicz, who's a light heavyweight, couldn't hurt him. Okay, so Marvin Vitoria is not going to hurt Israel Asanya, guys. Newsflash, not going to happen. Okay, so... Jan Blachowicz had to resort to using ground and grappling to take him out because he knew on the feet he couldn't stand with Israel. And if you watch the fight closely, you know that Israel did tag him once or twice, I think in the second round or third round. He actually kind of had Jan a little bit like, hey, I got to watch what I'm doing here because Israel is an amazing striker. So this goes in the same wheelhouse recently as like the um, – what was the – Okay, yes, the, the, uh, the Jazir Rosenstrike fight. I compared that fight to the Francis Ngannou fight when that fight was coming up. I said, Francis Ngannou is going to knock out Stipej. He did. Stipej Milicic, he did. And then I said, look, Jazir, Jaz, uh, Jazir Rosenstrike has five rounds to knock out Sakai. Five rounds, 25 minutes, he's going to knock him out. Uh, that's what happened. The same thing's going to happen here. Israel's going to have five minutes to KO Marvin Vittori that's just the bottom line so could Vittori win round one and round two even round three Marvin Vittori could wrestle him for three rounds and win some position control and and argue his case that he's going to win some rounds that way it takes one elbow one shot one spinning punch one kick Israel's going to be able to hurt him with that one shot and then end the fight in a TKO that's going to happen. I love Israel Adesanya with a, with a TKO as a sub here as, as a as a I'm sorry, as a as a prop bet. I think at -275 it's justified. I mean, I think if Israel didn't have the fight with Jan Blahovitz recently and just was coming in here like 5 and 0, oh, he's probably like a -350 minus -400 minus favorite. But people getting that Jan Blahovitz fight all mixed up in their head. Like you got to remember he was fighting a light heavyweight who couldn't hurt him. And the light heavyweight was worried about getting hurt from Israel because Israel hit him a few times. So he knew I have to take the fight to the ground to win this fight because I can't hurt this guy. This you know a a a guy who's a middleweight. So uh, look, I'm just saying when Israel comes out there on Saturday night and like beats Vittori handily and easily, and you see that little hype train just slow down and those look it's his time. Like I don't know what the hell that means. It's Israel Sonia's time. I can tell you that right now. Dude's got punching power for days. Ask some of his recent opponents. Ask Whitaker about it. You know what I mean? Ask Gilbert Burns about it, okay? No offense to Vittori, but I don't even know if Vittori's better than Robert Whitaker, okay? So, I, I you know, I don't know where that hype's coming from. I think Vegas has it right in terms of, you know, he's an underdog and he's a plus 215. But if anyone's betting on this fight and actually betting real money thinking that Vittori's going to win, you're nuts. <laughs> You're damn nuts. You're crazy. Don't see it happening. The Nigerian nightmare over here, um, he's going to come in here and just be too much. The striking skills are amazing. He's even hungrier now than he was before. He's coming in here super thirsty, wants to shake that loss off that he had. Recently lost a teammate, you know, who died in a terrible incident over there with somebody assaulting him in public and head injury, ended up dying in a hospital. Israel is full of motivation. He comes in here. He's going to put Marvin Vittori in his place and keep it. He's going to be, and still, the champion in his division. So that's the full card for you guys. That's the full breakdown of Adesanya versus Vittori 2, UFC 263. I'm going to just run down real quickly the entire card just to run over the picks real quick. Again, there are a lot. It's 14 fights total, but I'll give you the picks that we like. I'll try to highlight the dogs and highlight the ones we like the most. All right, let's start off with the prelim. We think Felipe is going to beat Collier. We like Felipe there at minus 175. We like Zion beating Luigi Vendramini. And he's at minus 143. We like Peterson beating the young Hooper. And he's at minus 115. That's almost a picker. So we got Peterson there. The Frivola versus McKinney fight. We didn't do a lot of research on that again because it was a late change. But I think because it's minus 305 for Frivola, too much for us. It's going to be a dog or pass situation. So it's either dog for McKinney we are just pass it all together. The first women's fight of the night is going to be Kianzad versus Davis, and that is the first dog we're on. We like Davis, the veteran, at plus 162. Moving on up to Evlov versus Dawoodoo, and Hakim Dawudu is the second dog we're on for the night. He's at plus 188. We like him over Evlov. Next fight is the second women's fight of the night, and that's going to be Calderwood versus Murphy, and we like the veteran Murphy at plus 117. It's a slight, slight dog, so it's more of a pick em, but we do like Murphy there. Moving on up to Anders versus Stewart. That is a rematch. Uh, for me, that was a no-brainer. I liked what Anders was doing in the first fight. I uh, think he keeps that going here. We got Anders winning here at minus 150. Last fight, in the prelim, is Dober versus Riddell. We like Dober here at minus 55. And we're moving on up to the main card. But the main card starts off with Hill, Jamal Hill versus Paul Craig. And we like Jamal Hill, who's a strong favorite here at minus 286. Next fight here in the main card is Bilal Muhammad versus Maya. And the Maya is the 43-year-old veteran, but we like him. Another dog here on the card at plus 180. We like Maya beating Muhammad. Now moving on up to Edwards versus Diaz. Okay, and this fight here has got the biggest margin here so it's Edwards at minus 560. He's the biggest favorite in the card versus Diaz who's plus 400. Unfortunately as hard as it is to vote against Diaz because we love Mr. Diaz, love Nate's passion, love the bloody face, the warrior style but we're on Edwards to win this fight. All right the co-main event is going to feature a belt and that's going to be Figueroa versus Moreno. It's a rematch and we're going with Figueroa to keep his belt and still and moving on to the main event, the last fight of the night, which will be Israel Adesanya defending his belt against Marvin Vittori. This is a rematch from a fight years ago. We do like Adesanya here. We like him to win the fight at minus 275. Very strong pick there. And so that brings us to our favorite picks, the picks that we like the most on the card. So when you look at the card back over here, like Felipe, a lot over Collier. Like Felipe a lot at minus 175. Um moving on up here to like Anders a lot that's my second very very strong pick of the night so Anders and Felipe on the undercard on the main card the ones I like the most are Adesanya and Figueroa. okay and a little bit hill there too but in terms of the main card I love parlaying Figueiredo Adesanya with um with Felipe and uh and Anders and I'll be doing some parlaying with Adesanya and Figueroa. I already started parlaying those pieces with uh, Bellator and with PFL, which just finished up last night. So anyway, that's our full car breakdown. Hopefully this was helpful for you as you're getting ready to, you know, set your bets and your wages for this weekend. And this week, this is a crazy week. We've had, um, my gosh, you had one, t- you know, one TNT. You had, um, you have Invicta going on you've got pfl you've got um bellator obviously you've got ufc i mean yeah just jam-packed this week pfl i, I mean, maybe i said pfl already but yeah just a lot of promotions going off this week so if you're an mma junkie like myself you're enjoying it it's a lot of action um for us here at mma fight club we're only covering bellator ufc and pfl right now we just don't have the manpower and the hours to cover all those different promotions but I do encourage everyone to look at those promotions. You know, see what's on, see who's see who's out there. You never know; some of those guys may end up on some of these other promotions at some point, so you get an idea of who they are. Anyway, thank you for watching this episode, or thank you for listening. If you're listening on the podcast, if you're watching here on YouTube, uh, please go ahead and give us a like, subscribe. We're trying to get our our, our show here to a thousand subscribers, so we can start going live. If you don't know, we use a mobile device to actually record our, our videos. It allows us to do it from anywhere. But the point is, if you're recording YouTube videos on a mobile device like we do, it does not allow you to do it live. So we can't do live shows unless we have a 1,000 subscribers. So that's where you come into play. We need your help. Send these videos around. Share them with your friends. Share them with your mom, your grandma, whoever. Put it on Facebook. Put it everywhere. Like and subscribe. We don't sell anything. Nothing here is for sale. We don't need donations or tips or anything of that nature. We need to get to a thousand subscribers and we need your help so hopefully this video helps you if you've been telling us recently you know that um, our advice has been pretty good we're staying well above 500 and recently like look at pfl last night we were five and zero in the main card so you know keep following us keep clicking on our videos keep sharing our stuff we appreciate your feedback we appreciate your support so we'll see you guys soon our next show will be it's going to be the recap show for bellator tomorrow night so That's going to be a late night. It's going to be a late Friday night. We'll have a nice recap show on Bellator, breaking down everything that happened, and hopefully celebrating a bunch of winners. And uh, and then we'll have our next show after that will be our recap show for UFC, which will be very, very late on Saturday night. So thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you guys soon. Have a wonderful night, and best of luck on your bets, guys. Peace.